Fountain, the fan bananas, and Brett Gunning. Connor Bedard making his preseason debut Ooh. yesterday. He didn't score though. Yeah, but uh, yeah, two good. assists. He's he had two good. assists. He's I I I think yeah. It's the first of many gifts. Yes. Out of Connor Bedard hockey games this season uh, that we got yesterday is dangle in what like his second shift he was he was i just would like to announce that we have history at the 2023 uh rider cup What's nearly that? seven hours after it started being played the americans are finally not trailing or tied in a match they Congrats are finally leading one so good for them seven hours into the thing uh they got on the board shocker jordan spieth and justin thomas a genius said to play them so there you go all right so it's it's hockey season um it's also Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer season. It's tomorrow in Vaughn. Fundraising efforts from the event directly support life-saving research at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. For more details to register or donate, visit roadhockeytoconquercancer.ca. Uh, Wendell Clark, uh, a part of this great event. Leafs legend joins us online right now. How's it going, Wendell? Good morning. It's all good, guys. Um, so let's talk about the event first. Tell us about, uh, about this great event and, and how involved you are. Well, yeah, no, we said we play road hockey Saturday pretty much all day, three to f- three, three to five games, I guess. And uh, it's uh, it's a tougher game than hockey. There's no gliding. I got to run in both directions. <laughs> so I, I find it much, but I find that I'm shooting from everywhere. <laughs> I like it. The analytics play. I don't even think that's what you're going for, but the, the nerds upstairs, they would, they would love you for that. What do you, what do you find is the thing people are most asking you about there? I mean, I've been at events that you're at Wendell. I've been lucky enough to interview you before. And I mean, you are a magnet. Any guy from any of those teams in that era is, what do you feel like people are, are kind of constantly asking you about what's the first thing they go to? Is there a memory or is it just asking you for stories? What's that conversation usually like? Well, I think you're always going back to the good times. The greatest thing about fans and and that brings uh, sports teams and fans together is, is playoff runs. So they're all going back to the playoff runs that you played in, or the you know whether it's us in the '90s or the Sundin Tucker Roberts area in the 2000s. And can our team get there to that playoff run this year? That that's kind of it. The fans love that time of the year, and and so they're asking those questions. And and the other uh, the other one is. We, we don't have fighting anymore in hockey. So now people ask more about mm. it because they're watching it on YouTube where when I first <laughs> retired, they didn't ask about it as much because it was still on the ice. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, talking about playoff runs, the Maple Leafs of this vintage had their first quote unquote run this past off se- or past postseason where they won their first uh, postseason series, beating the lightning in six games. And then of course, bowing out to to the Panthers in five um there was though clearly a a narrative surrounding this team that they had not yet won a postseason round before they won this one this this past season is there to to your mind a level of pressure that will be lifted from this Leafs team going into this year because of the well modest but like they did have just factually some playoff success well I I think they can grow off it our our team is now the 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 right age our our core players have all now played a little playoff hockey they're you know five six years into the league they're not kids anymore and it's it's their team it's their time to take it to the next level and and I think uh, they're going to feel that confidence and and the difference between playing postseason versus regular season so I, I think all those were learning experiences that our guys have our young guys, which are our core guys, have, have learned. And I think they want to take it to the next level. Everybody wants to win. Winning's fun. Losing isn't any fun. So I, I know they want to take it to the next level. 
Yeah, no one likes to uh, no one likes to lose. I do wonder. I don't even know how much experience you would have had with this. I don't know how different it would be today from from your time playing. But what's it like in an organization when there's a change and like the Leafs saw this offseason with a new general manager or even with a new head coach? What does that do to the to the players? Uh, does it change much if if anything for you? And maybe it depends on the relationship or lack of one you, you had with the GM. Well, no, I didn't go through it all. I think about 12 coaches in five years. So we didn't have any changes <laughs> back in our day, but um, no, actually it's, it's, it's game as usual. And, and really the game isn't really that complicated. All the systems are pretty close to always the same. And uh, the game is the game on the ice, but what changes is, is how, how uh, the message is sent. So the different, the different ways people talk about it and, and, and such. So that'll be, it'll actually be new, exciting life because it is a new, uh, a new voice in the room or a new voice in the building being the general manager. And, and, and so that, uh, and his his uh, ways of playing the game will start to rub a little bit through as the team plays longer and longer. So you'll you'll see the personality a bit of the uh, general manager coming out as the team plays more. Well, and we saw it a little bit with the the personnel selected to uh, to to play for this Toronto Maple Leafs team, and some notable free agents, including I mean, you mentioned fighting Ryan Reeves, a very notable addition to this Leafs team. Leafs were twenty fifth in the NHL in uh, the number of fighting majors that they had last season. Uh, I'm thinking that that's going up this year, uh, even with just the one addition of Ryan Reeves. But yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi also come with their own um, physical resumes. I mean, do you, do you think that was an important add, an element to this Leafs team that was missing over the last couple of years? Uh, I really think so. I think it's, uh, it adds another dimension to our hockey team. You're not going to stick up for your own teammates. In today's game and rules, you can't really stick up for your own guys. The, the, the rules are in there that you can't. Um, but you can make it hard on the other team to play against, and that's what the guys, the additions that we got – is they have to come and and play their physical game and, and make it hard on the other team's best players. When we play, when we play teams, uh, they're hard on our best guys in the playoffs. Whether it be Matthews or Marner, Tavares or Nylander, guys are hard on our finesse guys. Uh, make them play through a lot, and we have to make it hard on the other team's best players. Which those additions that we had. They have to want to keep playing that way. We don't want to see them starting to play like Matthews and Marner. They're, the additions are here to bring their good elements to the game. And then if they bring their elements, our team will be a better team. Uh, Wendell, uh, congrats on uh, Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer and all the success that that event has, has had over the years. And uh, hopefully uh, another great event tomorrow. Thanks for doing this. And get the oh. Volterran and the Rowback ready with all the non gliding oh, yes. <laughs> There's three games. That's like two a days back in 80s <laughs> on Saturday. Thanks, Wendell. Thanks, guys. Uh, this is Wendell Clark, Leafs legend. Again, uh, to register or donate to Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer, go to roadhockeytoconquercancer.ca. I was surprised. I mean, the, they should the, give him blades like him. Should. Just he he complained about it. Just somebody go get that guy some rollerblades. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many fighting majors do you think the Leafs had last season? I don't know. Guess. I, I I'm terrible. I have no ballpark figure okay. for this to begin with. You yeah, probably would have punted the same thing. Yeah, just I tell know, me. I know that's really. I, I hate when people do that. Like, hey, hey, here's this answer that no matter <laughs> what can, I've yeah, set you up for, seem like, like an idiot. And then sometimes you do it, and then I ruin what you're going to set right, up. Where point. I say way no, too high a number. Honestly, I can, I plead the fifth. <laughs> I will not play your game. I can be honest with you in telling you that I actually had no expectations <laughs> for for how I was not actually trying to make a point. Although maybe I am because four, 14 seems high. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I would have. And that again, that was 25th in the, the national hockey league. That, that seems really, really high. Honestly, 
14 uh, last season. But yeah, Brian Reeves is going to mm-hmm. single-handedly boost that number, uh, not into the stratosphere, but he, he, as much as he's not just a one-dimensional player, he's like one-and-a-half-dimensional player, that's a clear dimension to his game uh, that was expected when he was acquired on a three-year deal. Yeah, it's obviously what you bring him in here to do, but also the problem with Ryan Reeves Correct. is that he is in a kind of like not one of one, but a one of what seven right. weight class in the league. There, there are a lot of guys who mm-hmm. will do something dumb, take a run at Matthews, whatever. And then Ryan Reeves comes a calling and they say, not him, mm-hmm. uh, Max Domi. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Ryan O'Reilly still here? Can I have him? What about Morgan Riley? It's like Ryan Reeves is too big a boogeyman sometimes to potentially take care of this. That's that's the one thing I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, no, honestly, if, if you're going to talk about a different stylistic approach for this Maple Leafs team, it's the guys that are going to be playing higher up yeah. in, the, in the lineup. Bert. The Max, yeah, and yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, and the impact that they have on the game physically. I, I'm not 100% guaranteed or, or convinced that that's what's missing from mm-hmm. this Leafs team, but it'd be nice to see it attempted like it, it would be nice to see occasionally some pushback from this team physically uh especially come postseason and i think what they've lacked and we talk about it with teams like boston or with teams like florida is that when you are a team that lives in the mud you mm-hmm. don't say okay things have got right i gotta go to the mud no when you're just always around it you it's not so much benefit of the doubt uh, the doubt but it's you know it's like a team in the nfl that commits penalty every play what are you gonna do call holding every play no you're not you're gonna have to pick your spots and that's some of what the leafs have lacked in the past all right this insider is brought to you by dawn valley north lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom visit dawn valley north lexus.com our insider today the great Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com, doing a tour of Canada, Western Canada right now. Where are you right now, Frank? I'm in Calgary, and it is quite early. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't tell you guys that. No, no, no you're allowed, though. It's the, okay. hour, the hour will give you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's fine. It's early. Are you coming to Toronto? Like, what? Where is it only Western Canada? Do we, do we get to be graced by your presence here in Ontario? <laughs> uh, not in the works at the moment. Uh, started out here, I did it was in Van, and then I went to Edmonton and wrapping up today in Calgary. But uh, not making it out east just yet on a training camp tour, but will be at some point in the next number of weeks. Mm. You're, you're, you're afraid of, of, of Leaf fans? Like, what, what's, what, what is the deal with that? Why are you coming here? I would say, yeah, I would say it's the exact opposite of that. Um, I just haven't been able to get it on the schedule just yet. All right. Well, we'd love to have you. What What is your 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 takeaway so far from your your tour of uh, those three Western Canadian markets? It's interesting. They've all had a really different vibe. Um, I think in Vancouver, I think there's. It's probably fair to say that there's already a little bit of pressure. Uh, the Canucks know that they need to have a good year. In Edmonton, the pressure is different because they know they have a good team, and now it's about this is go time. This is the year. And in Calgary, the key word of the day yesterday when I spent the day with them was underdog. Now the pressure's off. Their team is mostly the same as last year, which really underachieved. Almost everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and they still only missed the playoffs by three points. So the vibe was a little bit different in each one, Um, some nuance, but that's kind of the fun part about training camp is really no matter where you go, every team in the league for one reason or another 
has some a serious amount of hope. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not going to go to hope, though. I'm going to go to panic and things that are bad. I had to hear about Austin Matthews' contract extension, which, uh, you know, uh, you were you were telling me to calm down the whole time. It was going to get done. He was going to mm-hmm. sign. Uh, there's a certain fellow in Vancouver, Elias Pettersson, you know, uh, core of their franchise. I know they named Quinn Hughes the captain. If this was playing out in, you know, not Vancouver, but in Toronto, it would be full 10 bell panic time going on with Pedersen and the way things have played out there. How do you kind of read the tea leaves? I mean, I know he's an RFA. It's not like he's going to walk for nothing at the at the end of the year or anything along those lines. And hey, maybe they get a deal done. But uh, it doesn't from the outside looking in, at least it doesn't appear uber rosy, the relationship between Pedersen and the Canucks. I don't know if that's a fair read of it. Okay. Um, I would also advise you the same, and I know that's not friendly <laughs> radio talk, but um, to perhaps like turn it down a level or two um, in the sense that I really think that Elias Pettersson is sincere in his desire to want to stay in Vancouver. And I think my read of the situation is that the reason he isn't signed isn't because he's not sure about committing there. It's because the deal that the Canucks have put on the table to this point mm. hasn't been in the wheelhouse that he thinks he's living in now after a 102-point season. And I can understand that because it's not so much that the Canucks are saying go out there and do it again and prove that you can consistently be a top 5 or 10 scorer in this league. I think it's more so like, well, what happens if he's an 85 to 90 point guy instead of 105, 115? Mm. It sounds funny to say, but that's actually a really significant difference in terms of bracket that you're in price wise. And so the way that I look at it from his perspective is things can kind of only get better from here in that if you go out and replicate what you did last season or even take a step forward, you're in the David Pasternak realm. And if not, then you probably are just going to get what they already offered you. So not really that much risk to kind of stay there. All right, let's bring it uh, closer to the Maple Leafs and and to the Atlantic Division where the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, get a a bomb dropped on them. I'm sure they had more of a heads up than the rest of us did, though. Uh, But uh, Andre Vasilevsky missing eight to ten weeks, a couple of months to, to start the season was a, a, a real shocker, especially considering what they have behind him. Is is this a situation, understanding the, the cap constraints, that the Lightning have to make a move for a goalie? Well, it's first off, I just want to give you a little background. I heard about Vasilevsky's injury on Monday night, and I started to poke around and ask questions. And the first thing I got back was, what are you talking about? He's on the ice this morning. What? And I was like, oh. Sometimes that happens. You get a little bit of a bad scoop. And then you see yesterday the news and the surgery and how it kind of seems like time-wise, timeline-wise, they're pretty aggressively attacking it um, to get it out of the way as quickly as possible that you're like, oh, man, um, that's fascinating. And for a guy that plays such a lion's share of the games has been the biggest workhorse in the NHL and also – Last season, notwithstanding, the best goalie of the last decade and probably not even really close. Um, it's so significant, it's hard to really overstate that. Um, I have some significant question marks about 
the Tampa Bay Lightning's ability to survive this season in the sense of can they hang on through the first eight to ten weeks until Vasilevsky's back? And that's also assuming the fact or the idea that when he does come back in eight to ten weeks, that he's right back up to to 100% and at the level that we're accustomed to seeing. Can this team with a core that really, I think, has shown uh, how long in the tooth it is with the playoff runs that they've had and how much hockey they've played, and maybe this injury specifically is, is a direct example of that, um, that they can hang on and really be at this, this level to be in the playoffs. But um, <laughs> this is going to sound funny to say, too, rewind the show back to last September, and we were having this same exact conversation about the Boston Bruins. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, it's uh, it just feels like the all-time bad start for a year. You have Stamkos coming out with his comments, and then you have Vasilevsky, and it, it and not to say it's going to play out this way, but this is what feels like the beginning of like a crumbling empire mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Of oh, the captain's not so certain and about his future there, and then the the goaltender. You know, if this was any other player, it's so much easier than to survive just because no team who has a goaltender like Vasilevsky has anything remotely able to uh, to to kind of back it up. What do you think that does to the Atlantic division as a whole, that injury specifically, you know, I kind of looked at it as Tampa was going to be able to find a way and maybe it's squeaking in as a wild card, but just through veteran experience and enough talent, they were going to be able to get in. I don't know that this ruins it, but I do think it, it probably, you know, kneecaps their chances for being one of those top three teams. I, I, it just seems to me like it opens the door in such a big, big way for one of Buffalo, Ottawa. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not there on Detroit yet, but what, what do you think it does to the Atlantic? You answered your own question. Um, <laughs> the door is wide open. Hello, Buffalo. Hello, Ottawa. Um, it might open up the door for another Metro team in terms of a playoff spot. Um, I had been of the belief that, look, any core with Vasilevsky, Hedman, Sergachev, Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, well, like it's ridiculous. Like that, that core is going to find a way to be a playoff team no matter what. And the problem is the bet that they've made to this point with their goaltending, it was operating under the assumption and belief that Vasilevsky is going to be the guy for 60 games and they were going to backfill with Johansson or someone that they were going to pick off of waivers at the end of training camp. I think that was always part of the discussion that they hadn't really cared about their backup goalie position because they haven't needed to, and now they need to, and it might be too late because not only do they not really have the cap space, but they can't really afford to spend much because they then need to activate Vasilevsky back out off of LTIR when this injury is, is healed. So mm. they're in, they're in a tough spot. So there's no doubt about that. And, and if you're Buffalo or you're Ottawa, you're sitting there today going, it, it, the biggest question for me in the East this year, because I have both Buffalo and Ottawa's playoff teams this year. Uh. The hardest question for me was who's out. And I haven't been able to answer that just yet. I've sort of been leaning towards the Florida Panthers as a team being out. Um, I think the Boston Bruins are giving back 35 points to the rest of the conference, which is pretty significant. And they're probably still a 
9,900 point team and pretty safe playoff team, but that opens up the door and makes things a lot more interesting. And then maybe there's the New York Islanders. Probably that's kind of where I'm leaning, but you got to get those teams from somewhere. If you're going to round out your eight. I mean, just to, to go back to Vasilevsky here for a second, and yeah, it was interesting to, to hear you um, hearing about the scoop on Monday and then being rebuffed, and then here, lo and behold, a couple of days later, he's having surgery and, and out two months. It's also a curious time. Like, I'm sure, hey, like the, the NHL's offseason pretty long, and for the Lightning, it was its longest, like in recent memory, getting bounced in the first round. Do you have any idea why, like, did something happen recently that necessitated the back thing? Like, like, why is it happening now and not immediately following the, the playoff exit to the Leafs? That's my understanding is that this happened six days ago oh, okay. or whatever it was. All right. That it was uh, something, you know, he tweaked something and it was like, oh, geez, like this, we could kind of maybe play our way through it, rehab it, see what happens, and then maybe – two months from now we're dealing with the same thing and then have to undergo surgery or we can get it nipped in the bud now and hopefully not have any issues for the rest of the season and his career. Mm. That's the path they chose. It makes sense, but can they hang on until then? I'm not convinced that they can with the current state of their goaltending because Uh, I would say that their backup goaltender Johansson is, if you were ranking all 64 goalies, he would have been 64. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been around the block and not necessarily successful. Hey, uh, Frank, I, I know you, you got at least one kid that, that plays hockey. I, I, I have a couple of kids now that, that play hockey, and the eldest is, is playing rep hockey, is what they call it in this country, the first time in, in his life. And he selected a number the other day. And he got John mm-hmm. Tavares' number 91, which was a little off-putting for me considering, obviously, the, the stature of the local hockey team and Tavares being the captain. There's going to be a kid on his team wearing 97. Like, where do you, where do you stand on, on wearing, like, some pretty, some pretty significant uh, numbers of, of players that are I'm headed to the Hall of Fame eventually? Would you, do, does your kid wear a number that is tied to a, a, an NHL superstar. And where do you stand on that? Uh, I don't have a hot take or big thought. I'd say like, you know, have a blast. If that's your guy, like go pick the number and enjoy it. My guy wears 17. Mm-hmm. And we just had Wendell Clark I, on. I think in my house, not to say, you know, we don't pay attention to Connor McDavid or, you know, whoever your star du jour is or superstar du jour is some, some kid somewhere is probably going to be wearing 98 this season too. Yep. For Connor Bedard. Um, I don't know. I try and not, uh, deify players in my house. So, um, and that's not to knock anyone down. It's just that if we're going to talk real heroes, they aren't on the ice. Well, that's true. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the hockey players wear the numbers. Yeah. I'd love for my kid to have a fireman on his back. Nelson Mandela's number (laughs) on his back. So would Jonathan Bernier, baby. (laughs) Uh, Frank, uh, always great to chat. Thanks, man. Have a good one, guys. All right, there's Frank Savelli, uh, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. And this insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. Uh, just just to be clear, uh, we've very much DFI players in the gunning household. Mm-hmm. My son may or may not sing 
the Bill Nye song every time Bill Nylander scores a really? goal for the Leafs. So, yeah, we get yeah. fired up. We're chanting Bill. Guys uh, are getting excited. Uh, guys Austin are Matt, getting excited. Dudes get fired up in the gunning household when, when Leafs <laughs> score. There's a lot of anybody with a mustache is either his dad or Austin Matthews. Okay. So there is very much deifying of athletes in my <laughs> house, on. I'd just like to say. But then there's no delineation between you and Austin Matthews. We're Same just, level of just, de- but, deification. Hey, hey, we're both, we're, you know what we are? We're both just guys at the top of our field <laughs> right. working in Toronto who have mustaches. Mm. Where's the difference? You know what's Where? weird? Like, I am, I'm David weird Schneider, about this stuff. David Schneider, also there. Yeah, I'm weird about this stuff, and we had this conversation a couple of days ago when I brought it to light. But yeah, I almost feel like, even though Austin Matthews is is yes. the superior player and like is ultimately going to be the bigger legend in the city of Toronto, I almost feel more comfortable with if my kid had been given 34. So it's just the 90s thing you're I, out honestly, on. Honestly, because it you feels like... You are Lou Lamorello. No, it feels like there was an effort made <laughs> to get that number, right? Like 34, it's within the realm of possibility that it was just like a number handed right. out. 91, 97. Okay, 98, that, yeah. Yeah, that feels like, oh, you you went out and you did something on purpose. Yeah, I am I don't agree with you. I also, and man, I can't believe I'm the one to say this, and I'm only saying it because he'll, he'll too one day be a future uh, Leaf. I don't know about captain, but mm. we cannot put John Tavares and Connor McDavid in the same realm. No. We we can't and God love him. Yeah. God love Johnny Toronto. Came home, overtime winner, second round ra- going to the second round, but we cannot put those guys in the same sentence. No, it's uh, it's absolutely true. It is also factually correct that he's the captain of the most famous hockey team mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League and the most significant sports franchise in this country. Um, All true. You know who else was number 91? Steven Stamko. Yeah. I mean, when the, the Empire is on full crumble watch, uh, could could we have a, a an Atlantic division in, intra-division trade where, where finally Steven Stamkos returns home? Uh, only if a certain uh, store that sells just about any good in the world is not involved, I think. Yeah. Uh, is the only way Stamkos is doing that. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the Canadian Tire guy. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! I remember that guy. Yeah, I remember it too. I don't think he's employed with I, Canadian Tire I anymore. Bet, I bet not! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, back to his claim to fame. You know that guy goes to cocktail parties, right? And yeah, he's probably he's like, like, I blew it up. I, that, hey, do I, you hate me? Sleeper cell yeah. from uh, the Lightning, actually. From wherever. Yeah. yeah. All right. When we come back, Blue Jays have the potential to clinch their postseason spot tonight at Rogers Center. The, th- the thing is, though, if they do it, it will be long after their game against the Rays is complete because they're going to have to wait for the Mariners. Oh, it'll be like to when they clinched the in uh, Baltimore at like three in the morning that oh, one time. Remember? You know what might ha- if that is the case? I-, I think the procedure is no matter what the result of tomorrow's game, they do an on-field celebration. Mm which would work out well for me because it's my kid's birthday hey. today and we're going to the game for his birthday tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith. Happy Nicholson birthday Smith. to your kid. Yeah, happy birthday, Everett. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith of the At The Letters podcast joins us next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben and his Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Game 163s, which is actually potentially harmful to the Blue Jays. Uh, potentially Harm, Harmful in general. 
Game yeah. 163 was sick. It, it certainly was. And there's been some memorable ones. I'm thinking back to a, a Rockies Padres uh, game 163 that was super special. Um, but yeah, it, it it hurts the Blue Jays if they finish tied with the Seattle Mariners. I guess not so much if they finish tied with the Astros, but the, the Mariners thing looms large. The magic number for the Blue Jays to clinch is two. So any combination of two victories or two losses by the Mariners and the Blue Jays officially clinch, which means... It can happen tonight. You say Kikuchi getting the start against Aaron Savali. Let's talk to our pal, Ben Nicholson-Smith of the At The Letters podcast. Hello, Ben. Hey, Ben. What's going on? Nothing, Ben. Um, I'm talking to two of our baseball Bens right yeah. now. This is like my favorite joke. It's only like 50% of it, though. Yeah, only, yeah, but I'm but I'm here. It's yeah. like I shouldn't even be allowed. <laughs> no. Just go wake up Wagner, Shulman, yeah, or somebody. Yeah. No, we should have a Ben Roundtable once. Don't you think, Ben? We should, yes. That would, it would, honestly, can, I, can I moderate yeah. it as a Brent? Like, I'm not, no. I'm not in. No I'm not allowed. one of you guys. No. It's the club no. of only Bens. Okay. No, yeah, no okay. only Bens. A lot of them. A lot of the Bens are, are pretty skilled hosts, too. So yeah. I don't think. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. That, hey, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> You're going to sully it. Yeah. We, we, it's got to be pure, uncut Bens. Okay. All right. Uh, anyways. Um, you know what? Just for that, guys, I'm ending next week's show on Friday with my power rankings of all the baseball Bens okay. at Sportsnet. I can't. And I I'll tell you what. The guy I'm looking at is going to be lower than the guy I'm talking to right <laughs> that's now. That's the only guy that you have to walk into work with five times a week yeah, so I don't know. unwise you. Yeah. Uh, unwise on your on your part all right blue jays pick up the victory they needed to wagner number one <laughs> they needed to yesterday against the yankees uh and luke weaver and and you know what honestly ben if, if, if i'm gonna have a takeaway that is most positive it's that brandon belt looks pretty close to at his best um and when he was has been at his best this season He's been a pretty significant contributor to the Blue Jays, and there was a real concern in my eyes that that he might look closer to the guy that we saw for the first couple of weeks, maybe three weeks of the season, and the guy that we, we saw immediately following his his most recent IL stint. Yeah, he's looked great. I mean, he drew a walk the first game, couple hits the second game, home run the third game. He's on a real roll here, and, you know, it's not ideal uh, for most players not to have the chance to rehab at all. Uh, Brandon Belt just seems to be a different guy and he's very experienced. And so he seems to be able to just come back and face major league pitching and succeed because even in June, when he was on the injured list for the first time, he did not go on a rehab assignment, barely played any spring games in hindsight, probably could have used a little spring training there, but um, didn't get any, um, any need for these rehab games and looks to be good to go. And that is a huge a uh, huge thing for the Jays. They need him in there until they clinch. They need him every game, and I expect that uh, he's going to be out there pretty often. Um, and, and, of course, if and when they do clinch, then he would be a guy that would start every game of a wild card series. Yeah, and it was just so frustrating to see him pick up the injury at this time of year because it harkened back to so many of the conversations we had about George Springer last year of, uh, this is when you need him. Of course, you get him for the bulk of the 162 and to get you through, but you really needed this guy for the postseason. So to see him coming back and just the fact that he could have the result he had last night obviously is going to bode bode well for, for him. Uh, it's impossible to talk about Blue Jays' bats without getting the uh, index report of where we're at on any given day about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We know he had the nice run. Uh, it's been a little less nice since. Uh, your, your kind of gut feel on, on Vladdy and where he's at as a hitter heading into the postseason. And if anything, you see this weekend uh, would change your mind kind of one way or another. 
I think as long as he's healthy, my opinion probably won't change that much. And my opinion is that he's in a good spot and that he's an incredibly important hitter for this team, obviously. But I think he's he's hitting well um, enough in the course of this month to have some confidence and uh, to have some belief that he's got some more big hits in him and they're going to need it. I mean, to, to get through, uh, you know, to get through, first of all, to the playoffs and then ideally win some rounds in the playoffs, you're going to need some home runs, some big hits. Vlad Jr. is certainly capable of that. I think that, you know, the month of September, even after, you know, relatively quiet few days against the Yankees, the month of September, he's been really, really good. And it was only a few days ago that he was hitting two home runs at the trough. Um, so I think there's a lot of reason to have a lot of confidence in Vlad Jr. Yeah, he just needs a new bat because he smashed his uh, yesterday. That's fine. They they have plenty. Uh, Chris Bassett hits 200 innings for the season. First time in his career he's done that. And we played the clip earlier of him post-game, how emotional he was in, in reaching that milestone. It's not so easy to do, especially in 2023. But he's been durable, and he's been allowed to, to get deep into, into a bunch of ball games. As a guy that obviously had an inauspicious debut for the Blue Jays in game number one, his worst career start, but since then has been so nails. And, and Ben, I, I, you know, even when they acquired him, even considering the, the recent track record, I, I did view him as uh, when the postseason rolled around, maybe like a back end of the rotation type of guy. But, man, if the Blue Jays are riding the hot hand here, they get into the postseason, all this with the caveat, of course, yeah, of getting into the postseason and clinching uh, over the weekend. Um, and and clinching actually before Sunday, so that Kevin Gossman is starting Game One. I don't know. I, I might be of the mind to to start him in in Game Two. Where are you at on that? I would be of the mindset to start Jose Barrios in Game Two and uh, use Chris Bassett in Game Three. Although, as you say, there's a chance that Barrios is Game One and Bassett is Game Two, and that's not what you're looking to do. But um, it's it's definitely on the table at this point. Like they really they might have to use Kevin Gossman, which is. Not good, but um, yeah, as for Bassett, he's been tremendous. Like to, to pitch 200 innings, it's gotten rarer, and I think it's going to get even more rare as the years go on. It is not an easy thing to do for so many reasons, uh, but he just absorbs so many different innings. He's been so consistent. He's been effective. You don't pitch 200 innings unless you're a good pitcher. Um, he's He's been great. It's been an awesome start to his Blue Jays career. The Blue Jays would not be here without him. Um, he's been absolutely essential to, to getting um, to this point in the season where they can clinch on the final weekend. So um, full credit to Chris Bassett. I, I think, you know, at the same time, you've got Barrios ahead of him in the rotation right now, just as far as where things go. And Barrios has been great too. So to mm-hmm. me, I, I probably would go um, Barrios before Bassett. And then if Bassett's pitching a must-win game three for you, that's, that's a good outcome. And if, if you win in two games then maybe Bassett opens the division series for you. And that's also a really good outcome. So, you know, I, I would I would be of the opinion that you just keep these guys in the order they're in. Would you change – sometimes we get the idea, and I know a lot of people call this too cute, of having a different plan if you win game one versus losing game one. I mean, obviously that's only a possibility if you go with Gosman in game one. I think if he's not available there, obviously you just kind of roll in, in the order that, that we laid out. But do you give any credence to the idea of a different plan for game two depending on the result of game one? So I, I love it as a concept, and I love, you know, thinking these things through tactically. And, you know, to some extent, 
you're always going to have a different game plan whether you win or lose, right? Like right. you're going to use your relievers differently. You're going to use maybe um, pinch running decisions differently. So there's nothing wrong with having a different game plan depending on whether you win or lose. But I do think that it gets too cute if you start going to the starting pitchers and you say, okay, just, just so you know, we've mapped out these two scenarios and you, know, you can throw your bullpen, but just be prepared for this because we might actually switch things up on you. To me at that point, you are getting too cute and you start pushing these guys away from their routines. You start getting, um, you know, in their ear a little bit too much. We saw this in 2020, um, you know, with the whole Matt Shoemaker pulling him after X and then you bring in Robbie Ray and all this stuff. And, you know, look, <laughs> Robbie Ray ended up winning the Cy Young the next year. So it's not like it was such a bad decision to go to Robbie Ray. Um, but the point being, I think you gain something by keeping it simple and saying, look, we trust you both. Here's the order. Go get them. Yeah, simple would be winning tonight and the Mariners losing tonight and officially punching your ticket to the postseason, although not necessarily locking down your playoff positioning because I guess it would depend on on what the the Astros do. If the Astros also lose tonight and the the Blue Jays win, then they will have clinched the the second wildcard spot. But if that doesn't happen, there is still like playoff positioning up for grabs, Ben. You say Kikuchi jump in the queue. He's going to start tonight in this first game of three against the Rays. If the Blue Jays clinch tonight, like, does that, are they automatically going to the the punt lineup or, like, resting as many guys as possible? Or is there still an impetus to finish in that second wildcard spot? And, I mean, you you face the Rays, though. Like, I I don't know if you want to pick your poison here because you're on the road either way, whether it's Minnesota or Tampa. But it could be an interesting scenario. Yeah, super interesting. And I think, like, it's a... It's an interesting dilemma for the for the coaching staff for the front office to navigate. Um, I think that if you clinch again, just to the point of you know, do you try to get really cute and choose your opponent? I don't think you do that. I don't think you tempt fate. I think if you clinch, you just start doing what's best for yourself at that moment, and then you let the chips fall. And so, what's best for the Blue Jays if they're able to clinch? Um, you know, it's in time for you know before first pitch Saturday. Then I would say you start Ryu on Saturday. Um, I would say you probably do a bullpen game on Sunday. You're probably resting Random Belt for one of those games. You're probably resting Kirk for at least one, maybe two of those games. Um, if Vlad or Bo wants a day off their feet, you know, knowing Vlad, he might not. But if he if they do want a game off their feet then you offer that option to them. You do everything in your power to make sure that your team is good to go. That's my opinion. I, you know, this is the, we haven't got into the weeds on this stuff with John Schneider yet, because mm. it's like, you got to clinch first, but right. that would be my opinion is first thing, just take care of your own business. Okay. I'm going to drag you just a touch further into the, those weeds with one player specifically. And it's the closer. It's Jordan Romano. He has got lit up his last two times out. He has not been good in situations that are not save situations. Best case scenario, he is needed tonight or tomorrow to lock down your postseason, and that's his get-right inning and his get-right outing, and then you're able to just carry him through to the postseason. Would you force your hand in getting him in a game, even if it is not a save situation, just so he has a chance to not have his two most recent outings being touched up, including by the team he will almost certainly play in said wildcard series? Yeah, I, I definitely would, Brent. I would be looking for ways to get Jordan Romano in there at some point this weekend. And if the Jays start losing games, 
you, you know, hey, the options on the table to use him one, two, three times. Do whatever you have to do. If he has to pitch every game the rest of the season, do it. But if they are winning games, then I think you need to simply get him in there against probably like, you know, a clean inning. Hopefully you're up or down five or six runs and or you're, whatever. But the score doesn't actually matter because he can face any any situation. And you just get him in there, 15 pitches, and you hope he gets, gets a few outs. But I do think you want that, you know, as you called it, the get-right outing. I, I think you want that for your closer before Tuesday. What are your expectations from the Rays tonight, Ben? Because they're home and cooled out. They're, they can't impact where they finish in the standings. The Orioles clinched the division yesterday. They're likely to play the Blue Jays in the wild card round, but like they might have an opportunity to knock them out of the playoffs altogether as well. Like it's an interesting scenario for them. They are starting a major league caliber starter tonight in Aaron Savali, but not a, a guy that's at the top of their rotation. How do you, how do you expect the, the Rays to line up against the Jays? It's going to be interesting. I think, you know, we've already seen their depth tested and I doubt that they're going to push, you know, for instance, a Yandy Diaz, you know, out of his comfort zone. Um, I doubt that they're going to push Aaron Savali particularly deep into this game. Um, you know, that's hardly going out on a limb because it's the race to start with. So they're probably not doing that even in, uh, right. in August. But um, yeah, I, I think that their depth is just so good that even if you're seeing their quote unquote B team, it's a good team. Um, so they could win. And those individual players, when they take the field, they're still playing for their arbitration. They're still playing for their you know, next contract, um, for, their, for their pride. They're going to be trying. So, and they're good players. So mm-hmm. the Rays could sweep the Jays. Like they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're you know, they're, the Rays are good. So, <laughs> um, you know, you can't take anything for granted here. I still think the Jays are making it. Um, I still think the Jays are in a great spot and I think we're going to see them in the playoffs, but stranger things have happened. Like the, you guys know this, the Rays are a really good team. Yeah, I know the defending champion Houston Astros played the A's and Royals nine times this month and have lost seven of them, including a three-game sweep at the hand of the Kansas City Royals. And it's not going to stand out as much um, if they make the playoffs and because it didn't happen at the very end of the season. But yeah, like, no, th- this this team is totally capable of losing all three of these games. And while Fangraphs is going to do its 93% chance of making the playoffs thing, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if you're a, a sports fan, in general, but specifically a Toronto one, you you know bad things can can certainly happen. So, so nobody's counting chickens yet. Um, I, I I loved your your piece the other day on on some of the things that you were looking for out of the Blue Jays here down the stretch as we approach the postseason. Brandon Belt was one of them. The other one was was Cam Eden who got into the game again as a pinch runner yesterday for Belt late in the game. Haven't seen him try to steal a pace, man. I just, I want to see it because like the numbers are remarkable in the minor leagues, and I'm I I can't imagine honestly that he's not on the postseason roster considering, uh, well, especially in a short series like the wild card round, he, he's, he's clearly got m- more utility than, than some other, I don't know, Nathan Lucas type. Um, I, I would love to see him steal a base, Ben. Do we get to see that over the weekend? I hope we get to see that. Um, I really do. I think it's a fun element. I think that this type of player is, is a really, really fun um, October bonus um, and kind of tactical um, piece for managers to use. So I, I really hope that we see him this weekend. I also hope that he's on the playoff roster because I think that it just it lends itself to a cool brand of baseball where you're making these substitutions, where you're, you're forcing the issue with some pinch running. Um, I think it leads to a better game. So that's, 
I, I think that that's um, something to look forward to. Now, they're trying to find spots for him. The yeah. spots haven't really emerged in games because, you know, yesterday he had the runner ahead of him, so he couldn't really steal. Um, so, you know, I talked. To, I have a piece coming out on Cam Eden the next couple of days. Spoke to him at the ballpark the other day. Um, his excitement level, and it's fun too, because he's like barely played in the major leagues, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's like so excited. I asked him like, how, you know, like what would it mean to you? Like, you know, if you are able to steal a couple bases, maybe get on the playoff roster. And he's like, yeah, my excitement level would be a hundred out of 10. Like he's like, <laughs> so, so excited to be able to get out there and just like, you know, play the game. So um, it's a, yeah, it's a cool story. 25 years old um, has yet to take a major league at bat and might not take one all year, but he well, could still help this team. I don't know. The poss- is it a non-zero possibility he never takes one, right? Like, it's not like yeah. he has a super long track record of hitting in the minor leagues. Just when he gets on base, he steals a bunch of bases. He's a career 246 uh, batting average, 334 on base with a 357 slug over four seasons in the minor leagues. Like, this could be his role forever. Yeah, and and look, like, that's a it's a valuable role because, you know, the thing is, the way the Jays are built right now, Kirk is going to start every game and Belt is going to start every game Yeah, for the wildcard series, at least because the wildcard series is going to have all right-hand starting pitchers. That means Belt, Belt is in there every day. So both of those guys get on base a lot. They're both also very, very slow. So you want to pinch run for them. If it's late in the game and you're tied, if it's late in the game and you're down one or two runs, there's like a quite a real chance that one of those guys gets on base and you want some legs to replace them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they need another Cam Eden because those those, those was two guys. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, they can find another one. Uh, ben, I can't wait for the the Ben roundtable uh, with no Brent. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Sounds good. Have a good one, guys. All right. See ya, Ben Nicholson Smith at the letters. Not invited to the Ben roundtable. You're rotten at the bottom. I like I like BNS too much though. Mm, yeah. So you're rotten okay. at the bottom. I'm mad at you. Yeah. You're supposed. You're, we're on the same team. You're supposed to take my side. You're supposed to be like. <laughs> I actually do want him there. Uh, also, if Bradley if Bradley Zimmer, who I for some reason always want to call Zimmerman, mm. but it is just Zimmer. Yeah. Uh, he was allowed to uh, to get 76 at bats. Yeah. So I mean, Cam Eden may be offended. I don't know. Just saying. Yeah. That's the first guy that comes to mind in terms no. of they don't let him hit. I don't have. Bradley Zimmer's minor league stats in front of me, but here's what I'm betting that took because, a lot of cuts in the minors. Yeah. The, and he had great success. I mean, that would be the reason why he continued to get opportunities to mm. not just be a bit player for major league baseball teams, but like, yeah, I think he was a pretty prized prospect actually for the, the guardians back in the day. Cam Eden again, you fast. He's, he's really fast and he's really excited. A hundred out of 10. Yeah. He swings a USA today when he steps to the plate. Yeah. Like it's not, there's nothing happening with, with the bat, but that's fine. That's, that's totally fine. He does one thing and he's done it extremely, extremely well at the minor league level. 53 stolen bases only caught four times. I, I just, I need to see I it. Would, I would, I also too, I hand up would like to see it. If you're that fast, maybe, maybe use it would be nice. Um, lastly, before we mm. leave, I mean, we've had the Ryder Cup oh, on. Yeah. I was going to say, it's a bloodbath right now. I was about to ask you the last time you were 100 out of 10 excited, but I know for me, it's right now watching Europe just wax these Americans. I mean, you're excited because that's the result you want, but you do want some meaningful golf over the next two days, don't you? Yeah, obviously. And I think that there is just too much talent that America is going to keep it afloat and then just give me, just get me to Sunday singles, please, please, please. And yeah, maybe there's some financial interest as well. I jumped on Europe like, 
a long time ago. So yeah, I'm very on board, very much loving Europe's dominating start at the Ryder Cup. Rory McIlroy and Matt's Fit- Matt Fitzpatrick, who has yet to record a Ryder Cup point, mm-hmm. are five up through six. Yeah, it's all Fitzpatrick. Birdie, 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 eagle, and he has made over 15 feet of putts on every one of those holes. So that's, that's how that's going for him. That sounds like a preview of my golf game this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, that's a lie. And I'm going to come and tell you all on Monday how big a lie that was. All right. Uh, we'll see you next week. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.